Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new guest hosts, uh, Linda Pham, and she comes to us with a background in, in HR and uh, also previously in, in nutrition. So we'll get into a little bit of our backstory. But Linda, what are you up to now? And then we'll get into kind of the backstory. So, so what are you up to these days? Yeah, well, first off, I just want to say thanks for having me as a guest on your podcast. I'm really excited to be here um, right now. I guess on my day-to-day at work, I'm working as a talent specialist for Zero, which is a SaaS company. Mm-hmm. Um, being in tech is quite exciting. Didn't think I'd find myself here. Um, aside from that, I've got a lot of projects along the way. I don't know. I've, I think I'm balancing too much on my hands, but <laughs> um, yeah, wanting to start little pot. I guess because of COVID, you know, everyone started reevaluating their life and so, mm. what, what is it that I want to do? So yeah, I want to start a coffee business with my best friend, um, working on some Asian Canadian experiences, uh, specifically for Vietnamese women that's kind of coming up this month. Um, some side freelancing projects as well. So yeah, a lot on the go. <laughs> Sounds good. So before we dive into kind of all those different things that you're doing, uh, why don't we go back in time and and ask, like, what was Linda like as a kid? So so growing up, any early fond memories? uh, What what were you like growing up? Oh, my God. It's so funny because I think if you were to ask me if I was going to be in HR doing something with people, (laughs) you would be so surprised because I was really quiet, really shy, very to myself. yeah, super, super introverted. Like I liked, I had a lot of interests. So I was into music, I was into sports. I wanted to be the first female in the NHL, but I didn't okay. even learn how to, yeah, I didn't learn how to skate until I was 14. So that dream just out the window. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, as a kid, I, I think I had a lot of interest. I was one of those that you would do things and be really good and pick up, up like pick it up really quickly so academically I was really good at school um but I think when it had to come to like hard work <laughs> it's like ah, I got this good I don't want to kind of go beyond that so I would always say like I'm a jack of all trades but master of none <laughs> it sounds good so Growing up, it seems like you started off as, as kind of a shy, introverted kid. And, and now, mm-hmm. uh, as we interact, I, I don't see you as that type of person. So, so kind of what was that progression along the way? Um, you, you're into, uh, I guess, some, some, some sports, some music and stuff of like that in, in kind of elementary school. And then mm-hmm. did you start kind of breaking out of your shell in, in high school or somewhere later in elementary or even, even later in university? What, what was that journey like? Oh, my God. Probably later in university. And I think okay. it was because in high school, I was so like, I guess, tied to one group of friends. And once I left that environment, going to university, I was like, this is my chance to reinvent myself, be someone that I've always wanted to be and try the new things that I never got to do. So, you know, I wanted to try hip hop and dance and didn't have that opportunity there. And like, I guess when you go to university, you're like, oh, there's all these classes that I could pay for. And I was like, yeah, all that money. I can start paying for these things. Um, so yeah, branching out to meet different people that I just wouldn't have met in the natural environment that I would in traditional school. Um, and yeah, so I started meeting more people that way. And I also realized early in life, you know, my parents would tell me, just do well in school. 
and when you do well like you're gonna have a job after that and I'm like uh, I don't think that's how the world works anymore because <laughs> at this point you know university degrees are almost like the entry level it's like the base ground that you would right. assume and so I was like I need to do something to differentiate myself and I was really drawn to uh, Asian student groups just because I, I identify as Chinese Vietnamese and uh, starting involved a lot with that and then there's a lot of leadership opportunities so it was a really good way for me to start honing on different skill sets that I had before like my cousin was a graphic designer I wanted okay. to do graphic design at one point yeah I had a lot of <laughs> different different ambitions but yeah so then I started doing a lot more leadership stuff so I started with marketing and then because I that of, of that environment they really made me feel welcomed and I want to continue that legacy of like, this is what our student group is doing. So then I came on to be president and that's when you start networking more and having more social events. And I think that's where it really started flourishing. That sounds good. So before we kind of deep dive into some of those things, like can, can we go back and figure out like, well, how, how was that transition into university? Cause I know we were just talking before uh-huh. about how it, you started in, in nutrition, which doesn't scream marketing or HR or anything <laughs> like that. So, so what was, what was the high school to, to university decision oh, points like? Yeah. So I know I talked about like being really interested in sports and music. And at that time I decided to go to an arts high school and okay. my parents really supportive interestingly like they wanted me to be happy and and do what made us happy um and then first like grade nine in I'm like oh my god I'm not going to be a musician because there were some kids who were just playing since they were four years old <laughs> and I was like oh, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer and I just didn't want to be a starving artist because I didn't think it was a sustainable career and later on I kind of realized oh Um, later on I realized that I value stability like that to me I want to be secure financially and music was just not going to get me there Um, so being in an art school there wasn't very many options in terms of what electives you could take and my parents had only aligned three career paths for you like be a doctor be a lawyer be an accountant like I don't even think my mom knew what an engineer was so those are like (laughs) the only three avenues and yeah Asian parents um out of the three I was like oh I wouldn't be a lawyer because I'm I'm really kind and really nice if anything I'm gonna agree with the other side (laughs) (laughs) so I was like okay let's scrap that idea I always thought business meant entrepreneurship and I just didn't like that idea as well I think I should have explored knowing that it's that what you assume is not what it is right um and so the other one was like doctor and everyone in high school has to take your standard like science math and I almost wanted to perpetuate that Asian stereotype like yeah I could do well in these subjects <laughs> so I didn't want to be a doctor because I was like I don't like blood I don't want to deal with all this okay. but where else can I explore uh in terms of science and health care field so I was looking at um, being an optometrist because I was like, oh, I enjoy physics. But then I was like, oh, no, actually, let me scratch that. So I, I thought of being an optometrist, but I didn't enjoy physics. I liked chemistry. So I was like, okay, what can I do with chemistry? Um, be a pharmacist. So I was lucky enough to do a co-op um, at my other high school when I did a victory lab. And then I discovered I didn't like it. <laughs> so okay. then it kind of drawn back to this nutrition course and everyone took nutrition because you got to eat the food in the course. <laughs> you're like yeah we get to make food and then um that was at, like the grade 10 level and then at the grade 12 you can take a nutrition science class and you also got to cook 
but I actually enjoyed the science part. I was like, whoa, I love how the the fats, this is how trans fats are made. And a lot of people were, were bored by that. So because of that, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to explore nutrition. And that's how I kind of hopped into university there. It sounds good. So so I heard a lot of uh, parental influences, the typical doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer. Sure. The, the engineer was scrapped. Uh, too agreeable to be a lawyer. Business, accounting was entrepreneurship. So that, that. And then doctor, not exactly. So let's let's uh, pick the nutrition side of it just because you like yeah. being able to eat and the science-y bit of that. So yep. um, were, there, were there other influences like like older siblings, uh, cousins, or, or people around you that kind of said, yeah, that, that's the right path? Or is it really more the exploration that allowed you to find this path? It's funny because I actually had a, yeah, like I mentioned, the cousin who was in, uh, she was a graphic designer and mm-hmm. I always wanted to do what she did. But I think at that point I was like, I also want to create an identity for myself and not do everything she does. Um, so I, d- I did the graphic design skills and I realized that it takes a high amount of creativity. <laughs> and sometimes when, when you have writer's block or whatever that is, it's frustrating and you can't get past it. And I just found it a lot more difficult for me, but for her, it came a lot easier. So it was also knowing like where my strengths lied. And after that, you know, I was like, you know what? I do like this. I think I'm good at it. I'm going to go in and and explore it. So that's where, yeah, I I decided to go into that route. I don't think I, I think I wish I had more mentors or influence around me to know whether I wanted to pursue that path um, or talk to them about, you know, what they did on their day to day, because I didn't have a lot of that growing up. Right. I always find it so surprising how many uh, students, young people go into a profession and yet yeah, they've never met a single person <laughs> doing what they yeah. want to be doing. So maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more of that would, would be good. So, um, so so talk to us about, about that journey. So you decide to pick nutrition. How, how did you pick the school and, and what was the, the, the program like? Was it exactly as you hoped and, and wanted or was it something a little bit different? <laughs> yeah. So because I was one of those, I guess, overachieving Asian kids in school, <laughs> But also like, oh, I don't have to study for a test. Like I'll just learn and I'll do well. Um, That mentality does not work in university. There's so much self-study pace. And when you're in high school, like everything's sort of outlined for you. And then there's so much discipline you need to know prior to university. So I Mm -hmm. wish I had that preparation as well. Um, So yeah, I would go in and I'm like, oh shoot, six weeks in and I haven't prepared for the six chapters we've had to learn. (laughs) So didn't do too well my first time around. Um, And I mean, I still enjoyed the course and it actually was probably at second year university where I realized nutrition may have not been for me because I took this organic chemistry course and the, the turning point was really when I had failed it the first time. I was like, oh my God, it's the first time I failed something. And right. I didn't know how to deal with that because I've always done well in, in my life with it, whether it came to like school and anything I put my head to. So um, that was really a shock to my ego, I guess. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I took the course second time around, try to get all the help and support from friends I met who took who had taken the course before. Um, and then I was on the route to failing it again and I ended up failing it twice yeah so I was like oh my god I've done everything I could and then if you fail a course three times you're kicked out of your program and I was like oh my god yeah so I didn't want that to be my reality and I started reevaluating 
my life at that point. Like, oh my God, I always thought I wanted to do nutrition. And what if I do get kicked out? And I just, I'm a little bit more risk adverse and started thinking, was this because I chose this path because my parents wanted me to do this? Is this something mm. else that I should start exploring? And so that's when I started going to my university, talking to career counselors, started talking to my friends. Hey, what do you think I'm good at? What do you think would be uh, something you could see me doing? And then, um, yeah, so then switching from going to nutrition and HR, I had talked to um, a cousin of mine who went from, I think, biology to IT. And I was like, that's a drastic switch. I want to know more about that as well, right? And so after talking to him, uh, he was like, you know, when you learn the basics to every course, like they're going to teach you, you don't have to have that background knowledge. And that really solidified, like, hey, I don't have to know, they're going to teach me. And so once I had um, yeah, a friend who really recommended, hey, how about human resources? And I think this is the one thing I shouldn't do, but I always assume when I hear what this career is, I'm like, oh, HR admin, I think I would like admin stuff instead of like, finding out what it really is. But I went into it and found that HR isn't just admin work, but there's so many different areas and I end up enjoying it. Sounds good. So that process to kind of go through uh, school. So you ended up going from university to college. So that's uh, mm-hmm. sometimes a bit of a blow as well for, for some, especially like high achieving Asian parents, that sort of thing. <laughs> what was that discussion like? So when you switch courses or I guess your program in university, I think I had missed the deadline and I didn't want to take a year off to reevaluate. Also just conscious about like paying back OSAP. So I looked into different programs that would have a, I think it was a timeline in terms of when they would accept applicants to sign up for the schools. And I looked at Seneca, George Brown and different schools where they had a co-op program because at Mm. that time, um, where I was at, I was at Ryerson University, they didn't have a, or I guess now it's called Toronto Metropolitan. <laughs> I think it's a new name, right? Um, yeah. yeah, so they didn't have the co-op program for their HR at the time. And I realized that, you know what, work experience is not easy to come by. Um, so that's how I started exploring that. And I had a few friends who were attending Seneca, so it made the transition a bit easier. I was like, okay, I'll I'll make friends there, but I'll also know people in case I don't make friends. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's that's sort of why I chose to go to college because I saw that there was that work, um, which is strange because I actually chose an optional co-op as opposed to the mandatory. I don't okay. think, I think um, George Brown and Humber may have had the mandatory co-op option, but exploring online, it didn't seem like there was a great experience. So I decided to go to Seneca. That's, yeah, and it worked out great for me. Like I do, I if it wasn't for Seneca, like, I feel like I wouldn't be where I am today. So I do a lot of work to go back and help and just, yeah, because I feel like I owe them for helping me get to where I am today. Sounds good. So, so you ultimately complete that uh, uh, program at Seneca, but then you also continue on and, and do more <laughs> at, at uh, back at, at, at Ryerson or Toronto Metropolitan. <laughs> what, what, what was that uh, experience or that decision process like on that one? So I just, I loved my university experience. And as a prize thing, I think in the back of my mind, I still want to graduate with a undergraduate degree from, um, from a, yeah, a known university. And I think my mentality going to Seneca was like, I have this three to five year plan. And um, I was really, really driven to 
come back to Ryerson um, just because I think when you go to university, you have more funding, more resources, um, access to things that you might not get at the college level. And I think mm -hmm. college is great for the practical knowledge. Like it's very hands-on and you get to know your profs because it's at a smaller level where you get to, yeah, just get that support from your professors. Um, but I think at the university level, there's that theory as well that you can learn from things. And so um, I had it crafted out where when I went to Seneca, like first year you do your business courses, second year, I'm like I'm gonna get into the co-op program and then I'm gonna find myself a co-op and then I'm gonna get this GPA because you need this minimum to get back to Ryerson. So that was sort of what I had planned out. And I knew, I, I thought that getting the into the co-op program was the hardest part because um, yeah, when I had applied, they only accept a handful. Um, so it was 24 out of the 60 applicants that got in. And then that's not even the hardest part. The hardest part is trying to find a job because it's like a full-time job itself while maintaining your studies, while maintaining my GPA. And um, at that point, like I realized I couldn't be picky. There were students who came in with wealth of knowledge and experience and I was picking criteria like, oh, like I want to be downtown. I want, to be, I want it to be paid. And then at this rate, I was like, you know what? I don't have enough experience to, to be picky go apply for everything, see what you get. So it was an unpaid internship, but because it's part of a school credit, like you get the experience um, at University Health Networker. And um, yeah, it turned out because, yeah, like I think all the things I've done in the student groups helped me land that opportunity. Because when you don't have experience, you're gonna have to show what makes you stand out. So I think I'm going a little bit on a tangent, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was sort of my plan, got into the co-op and then you have to complete like one more term to graduate with your co-op and then just headed back to Ryerson. So I think for that it was more of a theoretical knowledge. Um, and then I also wanted to pursue a minor. So I ended up doing a minor in finance. Okay. I don't know how helpful that was because I was I always thought like, if you can talk numbers, you can talk business. So I just decided to use finance as a supplementary to my HR degree. Cool. And and yeah. did the university program have a, a co-op as well, or that was just uh, pure pure academics? Pure academics. They yeah. do now, which okay. took them long enough, but I'm glad <laughs> that they do now. <laughs> yeah, I think more, most schools are trying to integrate some sort of work integrated learning, if not co-op or internships in that uh, as well. So, uh, oh. okay, so 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 you you finish your degree, you you have that check mark checkbox <laughs> and that, that it's done. Um, what was the process like to, to land the, the first role after uh, graduating university and, and after being done school? Oh, it was frustrating. So I think <laughs> because I went back to school, I, I didn't want to feel like I was behind my peers or my friends that did graduate around the same time because of the yeah. expectation is like, oh, here you are, like you're, you're going back, you're taking a few steps back in your life. Um, and it's something that you always do, you compare. Um, but yeah, I think applying the jobs, I think I started at the right time, but it was frustrating because you're competing with everyone else who is trying to find their first job. So sure. I'd go through first round phone screens, I'd get ghosted by recruiters, I would just apply and apply and apply. And I didn't want to be like some of my friends who I saw that had graduated and ended up not getting a job in the field that they studied. So mm. I'd see them two years just not in like working at the bank or just not what they wanted to pursue right so i was hoping that i had enough experience and in internships on my belt that i could get 
my foot in the door. But then I was lucky enough that a recruiter on LinkedIn had reached out to me, saw my profile and thought, hey, let's have a chat. I was like, oh my God, the one that like I didn't apply for, it, was in, it ended up being the place where I got my, my job and it was right after I finished exams. So I'm, I was really fortunate. I think I was a little bit luckier in my job search. Um, so I guess the takeaway is have a, have a nice updated LinkedIn profile. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's one where a lot of people undervalue the the um, power of, of a good profile. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it just sits there. And if people can find it and they reach out, why not? Right? It's, it's mm-hmm. a little bit of investment, and then you get that. So, uh, so awesome. So, so, so you're now starting this job. You, you get catch a lucky break, <laughs> and yeah. now, now you're starting. What was their journey like from from then until now? I. I think when you're a new grad, you're so eager and you're so excited to just be in the working world and, oh no, you're frozen. <laughs> oh, I'm still here. Oh, really? No. Man, it's frozen on my screen. Okay, let me start that over. Um, yeah, I think that when you're a new grad, you're super excited. You just want to get the ground running. You want to show your best. And I was just there to learn and absorb. And I think at times when you make a mistake, you're like freaking out because you don't know what to expect from your first like, quote unquote professional job. Um, so I remember making a mistake and then I saw this email. I was like, oh my God, is this hinting that they're going to replace me? I'm going to get fired <laughs> like within my first three, three months. But no, I obviously didn't get fired. Um, yeah, I think I was really lucky because I had um, a really good mentor someone who supported me with the role that I was supposed to go into showing me the ins and outs of the day-to-day um, it was also a contract role so I knew that my time there was limited and once I was able to learn how the company worked and learn how the function was I really want to show that I I can bring something from my previous experience and everything that I had done in university actually ended up working out really well like we did a recruitment event and all my event planning that had come from student groups ended up applying. I was like, hey, I know how to make these name tags through mail merge using Microsoft <laughs> Word. And like when you're young and you come out of school, like people who've been in the workforce don't get to see what's up and coming and new. Like right. as a recruiter nowadays, I see on applications, everyone starts with Python and I'm like, whoa, everyone just learns coding like it's normal. Like to me that's that's crazy and i'm I'm envious that they get that opportunity so i think like when you're coming in fresh like your knowledge is really really valued and so you should don't be shy like we want we like students who are or not students we like employees who are curious and aren't afraid to show like this is what we can do and yes there's direction you can take but also like you're there you're now like a full Fledged adult working employee, like we value your opinion. So, sounds good. So it seems like that you were in a supportive environment, and and uh, there's probably a bit of that kind of like uh, imposter syndrome, and like, like kind of whether or not you're supposed to be here. You thought you were going to get fired, but you ended up <laughs> doing pretty well and and, and having good uh, a mentor and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was it like to, to go into your to latest role? So did you get uh, headhunted there or, or did, did you apply <laughs> there? What, what was the process like for that? Um, yeah, so I was really fortunate with my current company because they had given me so much growth opportunities. And, you know, 
wondering what the traditional career path in HR is. You start you start as a coordinator, and then you know my goal was to get promoted as a generalist within three years, but then it happened in two years. And I was like, okay, cool. What's next? Um, and when you're a journalist, you get to explore different areas mm -hmm. and it's either you continue to be a journalist or you start to specialize. And I think at that point, you know, I was at this company for five years, four years, five years, and started feeling really stagnant and trying to figure out what, what's next for me. And I had a friend who worked at zero and she raved about how amazing the culture was and what a great workplace it was. And so there was an opportunity as an HR advisor that came up. And I think at that time, I still wanted to pursue the business partner generalist path, just because it builds a lot of variety into my day mm -hmm. and talk to them about the role. And I actually didn't get the role, obviously, because I'm not doing it now. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed the experience from the recruiter and how transparent she was with the process. And she came back to me, letting me know that there was actually a role, a role in recruitment. And mm. um, during that time at my previous company, they were pushing me to do a little bit more recruitment. And I just kept hearing feedback like, Linda, you're really good at this. You're a really great brand ambassador for our company. You create great experiences for our employees, for our hiring managers. And a part of me was hesitant because I was like, I don't want to specialize because if I specialize, I'm going to get stuck. Mm. And it wasn't until I started thinking, you know what, why don't I understand what the life is of a recruiter who does it full time, who's on that path. So I started going to my LinkedIn and saw whoever in my network that I, I knew, um, started reaching out, talked to them about their experience and most of the times they're most people if you reach out to them they're willing to help like what's the worst that they can do is either ghost you or say no and that's it's not that bad but if you do like it's better that you take your chance than to always just wonder like what if i reached out so i was really fortunate that i had people respond to me walk me through their experience and it made me feel like yeah this is something i think i can do i really like the aspect that it's not just recruitment is what you assume it is. Like, like I mentioned all the other roles, like don't assume this is what the job is. Right. And she was telling me, yeah, in recruitment, no, you can do all the stuff with the tech. And like, I just love it. And so knowing that it's, there's that variety in the bowl as well, made me think, okay, you know what, this is something I explore. And here I am today doing recruitment. Love it. Such a great feeling. And I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> Sounds good. So uh, if you were to go back in time and give uh, younger Linda some some words of advice, some stuff I wish I knew earlier, I, I don't know if yeah. it's in high school, elementary, university, or whatever time frame, like what, what is some of the swipe that you share with yourself? I think if I were to go back and talk to little Linda, I would tell her. <laughs> young young to... Linda, it doesn't have to be young Linda, little, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like in her child elementary school year it's like just try everything okay. be curious um and find out what you're good at and really stick to that skill set and try to really hone it because you'll never know like where it'll take you and where it'll be beneficial um and then i think you know i i think i wish i had more people kind of ask you know what is it that you want to do and really mm -hmm look into yourself and thinking what are different career paths to take um 
and I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to keep doing what you used to do. Like, I, I still love music. I'll still play, but for fun, I don't expect myself to be the next, like, Justin Bieber or something. <laughs> but you can still, like, have passions on the side, but not pursue what you want as your day-to-day -day job as a passion. Um, but in terms of, I guess, starting to explore what is it you want to do for your work, um, I think skill set is more important than anything because the job that you might want might not be invented yet. And in the future, something will come up. So, but um, all your experiences will lead to something. So just take risks, go out there, explore life because you'll never know where it'll take you. Sounds good. So, so what I took from that is, is build some of those foundational skills and explore what those might be because, yeah, you, you don't know what the future is going to be for yourself or for the world because, as you mm -hmm. said, some of the jobs that will be around and, and prominent in five, ten years probably haven't even been invented yet. Mm -hmm. um, so so it's, it's giving yourself kind of those foundational ones. And then maybe we'll, we'll have you back and, and, and do a deeper dive into some of those other things like dealing with failure or, or like the, the yeah. college experience <laughs> or choosing your path or maybe even like that, that notion of getting stuck in, in, in recruiting or another, um, mm -hmm. uh, another profession or something like that. But th thanks for uh, sharing your, your swag. Is there any other ones that you'd want to share with, with Linda, um, young Linda, <laughs> high school, university, making that transition from like nutrition to, to, to HR or, or, or anything uh, in, in that? realm hmm. i think it's important to build on social skills hmm. like because if you are too shy i guess yeah and like you need an open environment but also that step to kind of go and talk to people um because if you don't go out then how will you ever learn and it is i, I can understand how difficult it can be for someone who um isn't accustomed to that so I guess different strategies, like even if it is like writing an email or having a friend that is supportive of that, or even where you can see it in your your family networks. Like I think humans are social, like you have a support <laughs> system. Hopefully someone can help you break that ice. And um, yeah, I think also what's important is finding a mentor. Like that's one mm. thing I still want to do is, is find someone so I know what my next steps could look like because like I said, I'm not, I'm very risk adverse and I'd like to know at least, you know, what my future could potentially look like and what those options are. And I think when someone is younger, they don't know, you'll just ask them, what do you want to do? It's like, well, I don't know. I just want to try everything. But I think <laughs> if you kind of outline different pathways, like well, this is what it could look like. It gives them a general sense of like, oh, there's like a beginning and a sort of an end. And it might not be very, it's probably most times it's not even linear, but at least when you're going through the journey trying to figure it out, then um, you'll, you'll, at least you took that step to start, right? For sure. So, so what I took from that is, uh, I mean, going back to that exploration piece, right? Mm -hmm. If you have uh, 30 things that you want to try, well, start with one and then go to the second and third. And, and exactly. life is long. There's, there's yeah. a lot of time to, to do stuff. Some of them will lead to dead ends, but some of them, uh, if you can learn from those, then, then they can mm -hmm. be kind of your best help. Uh, like what you said previously about some mm -hmm. of the student groups and the event planning that kind of helped you land uh, other roles and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, on the social skills part, yeah, whether you're quiet or shy, 
uh, people are generally social. They generally want to interact with 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 folks. I, I know some people who hate <laughs> doing that altogether, um, but but they they have uh, different hangups on that. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, it's a learned skill. Uh, the more that you do it, the better you get. And the first couple of times, it's a little bit more challenging. <laughs> then it gets easier and easier. And then the yeah. last part on the, the the mentor part. Well, uh, may, maybe what you should do is just ask other people uh, for 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 guidance and advice. Like they don't have to officially be like a mentor, right? Uh, I tell people like you don't have to put a ring on it. That's sort of thing right? it doesn't have to be completely official you just said hey you're an interesting person and and you've done some interesting things could I learn a little bit more about it and yeah mm-hmm. do you call them a mentor after one conversation maybe not but they probably give you some good advice and and then mm-hmm. over a period of time they might do that so uh, mm-hmm. I think that would be great so uh, th- thanks so, so much, Linda, for sharing your, your, your story and, and kind of your journey. Uh, what are some of the things that are up and coming for you? Uh, are there anything that, that we can come up uh, or, or look out for you to, to do? You talk about coffee, you talk about some, some other <laughs> freelance stuff. And then where could folks reach out to you if they're, if they're interested in connecting? Ooh. Well, I guess the biggest thing that's the most related is I'm trying to build out my brand as a content creator. So I do mm. want to start posting more on on YouTube about my experiences, especially as a recruiter and how the job market is right now. Um, The lens of a recruiter is what people want to know during their job search. So how to negotiate your salary, how Mm -hmm. to uh, prepare for job interviews. So I think that is something you can see for me that's coming up. Um, Best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Name's Linda Pham. Hopefully you can find me. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of Linda Pham's up there, but we'll put uh, your information in the show notes for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So so thanks so much, Linda, for, for joining us in the conversation. And hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. All right. Thanks, Luki. Take care, Linda. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.